Good morning, New Life Church. Man, I'm so glad to be with you on this beautiful Sunday morning. Uh, God, is, uh, God is on the throne, and he's got a great word for you this morning. Hey, before I begin the message, let me just kind of share with you a reminder. We have our online gathering that continues, and we're grateful for that, uh, live uh, every Sunday morning, starting next Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Uh, it'll be live, so right now it's pre-recorded, but starting next week, 10 a.m. online live gathering. And then next, uh, next Sunday, November the 1st, we're also starting our in-person, um, inside gathering back again at our Lathrop campus at 10 o'clock. One gathering, 10 o'clock at that campus. And we also have our in-person, outside gathering at our River Islands campus. And that will take place at 9 a.m. every Sunday morning. So you've got three different options for gatherings to go to. We want you to go where you feel safe and you feel comfortable. But we want you to be connected with people in the family. We need to get together. We need to make sure that we're connecting. So if you're watching online and that's the, the campus that you're choosing, make sure you're engaging. What does that mean? That means you're talking to one another in the comments section. You're at least letting everybody know, hey, I'm here this morning. Troy's here where I'm watching, I'm, I'm dialed in. Let us know because when you do that, you can engage with other people in the family of God. And that's so, so important. Hey, listen, if you didn't get a copy of my latest book, uh, Shameless Plug, I want you to pick up a copy. You can get it at the church office. You can go ahead and re respond to, uh, uh, on the on the comment section right now on YouTube or Facebook. If you want a copy, it's $15, but it's I Pledge Allegiance. It's seeing God in 31 words, which is the 31 words of the Pledge Allegiance. I think you're going to find it to be a great resource and a great tool that will bless you and your family. So please, please pick up a copy of that as soon as you can. All right, praise the Lord. Today we're continuing our series called Take a stand. This is part three of a five-part series. Hopefully, you've listened to the first two parts because they're pretty important. I'm very cognizant of the fact that this is election season. We're just a few days away from one of the biggest elections in our entire lives. I know they say that every four years, uh, but it truly is one of those. And, and I think it's by God's design that we're talking about this at this time. So what we're doing is in this series is we're taking five different stories from the Old Testament book of Daniel and we're learning how to take a stand for God, how to take a stand for what is right. And so we're, we've learned in week number one that we need to, as Christ followers, we need to stand out. And we talked about that's probably the most important part of the whole five-part series is if you're not standing out and going against the cultural norms, going against the flow going upstream in an inside out, upside down culture and world, then you're not standing out for Christ. So your life has to be peculiar. You don't have to be necessarily weird. You just need to be different because different is God. In other words, we need to live out this great gospel message in the way we act and the way we talk and where we go and what we say and how we live. So stand out was week number one. And then week number two, we talked about it last week, is there are times in our lives that we need to stand up. And when we talk about standing up, we're talking about confrontation. How do you confront somebody in a healthy way according to God's word? Listen, if you didn't hear this last week, it was not an easy message to preach and it's not an easy message to receive. But confrontation is a part of life. We have to learn how both to confront people in a healthy way and how to allow people to confront us in a healthy way if we're truly gonna grow from glory to glory. So we talked about stand out, then we talked about stand up, and today, today we're talking about, this is, gonna, this is one of the, the, my favorite messages, this this one um, and, and next week is probably my absolute favorite message of all of them. But today we're talking about how we're supposed to, how we stand strong. So God wants you to stand strong. And we're gonna dial into this in just a few minutes as, a, as our theme. Week number four, we're gonna talk about how, how we stand. So this is next week. Stand 
in the faith? How do you stand in the faith in your life? Maybe your family are all Christians, but maybe like me, you didn't come out of a Christian home. Now, no disrespect to our families, but you didn't come out of that. And so standing in the faith was something you were never taught how to do. God's word teaches us clearly how we can stand in the faith. And then we're gonna conclude this series by talking about number five is uh, the last week is how do you stand, how do you stand firm? How do you stand firm? And this is a good way to conclude the whole thing. Again, five themes of take a stand. That's the whole series title, take a stand. And each week we're taking a different story from the book of Daniel, the Old Testament book of Daniel, about how we can do this in a very practical, real, relevant way so that you can actually, when this gathering is over today, live out your faith. And that's the whole point of New Life Church is to help you live out your faith, pleasing Jesus and serving humanity. So stand up, stand out, stand strong, stand in faith, and stand firm today is stand strong. We're talking about st how do you stand strong in the midst of opposition? Some of you are dealing with opposition in your life. Turn to Daniel chapter six is where we're gonna hang out. This is a very familiar story uh, for most people, uh, even people who maybe didn't, haven't gone to church a whole lot in their lives, they're familiar with this story. And it, it can be difficult as a teacher of God's word to take a story that you learned maybe in Sunday school as a four-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old, and, and, and make sure that we apply this through the lens of relevancy for your age and where what your season is in life. And so a lot of times we can see this story. The story is Daniel, in the lion's den. And so we can take this story and we just see it through the lens of a kid-like version. <laughs> I wanna break the mold of that. The mold is Daniel is this young, handsome man and there's these lions and they almost look like you know, kitty cats and he snuggles up to them and uses them as a pillow and, and lays on them and just enjoys a, a, a beautiful night of slumber. The story was nothing like that whatsoever. Daniel, at this point in the story, believe it or not, he's somewhere in his 80s. He's somewhere in his 80s, his eighth decade of living. And so he's been walking with God all this time. He looks, he looks probably pretty good for a guy in his 80s. At this point in Daniel's life, he's no longer a young man, but he's a much more seasoned man. He's a much older man. And in Daniel chapter six, we're gonna see that Daniel is actually serving God under a different king. We've been talking about the first two weeks how we serve God under this evil, wicked king, King Nebuchadnezzar. But now he's serving not the second king, but the third king in his time in the kingdom. Uh, and his name is King Darius. And uh, so he's 80 years in living and now he's serving under the third king. What's interesting about this king King Darius, is, he had these real gifts. Um, history records him as an administrative genius. Maybe, maybe you can connect with that or maybe you can't connect with that whatsoever. I'm so thankful that we have some administrative minds around here. Pastor Trinity is one that just, just uh, she can think differently than I can think. We've got a great administrative assistant in Michelle. Maybe in your life, you've got a family member that's a little bit more gifted in the, in the skills of administration or management. Well, this guy, King Darius, really had it together. In fact, when he he started ruling the kingdom, he came in and he kind of reorganized and restructured everything. And so what he did was he set up um, a group of about 120 uh, men known as satraps or satraps. And basically, it's kind of a cool word, which means kingdom protector or kingdom guardian. And so these satraps, these kingdom guardians, um, he, put, he put them in charge of the kingdom. But he had to put three guys over the 120 guys. And these three leaders... Uh, one of them was Daniel. 
And so Daniel was put in charge of these government protectors, these kingdom protectors, and, and their job was to protect the kingdom against what? against rebellion of the people, against disunity. They would levy the taxes. They would guard the financial affairs of the, of the nation. In other words, they held the checkbook, the purse strings to the whole nation. And so that's where we're at in Daniel chapter six, the first three verses. I promise to make this relevant to your life. So here we go, Daniel chapter six, verse number one. It pleased Darius, that's the new king, to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. I just told you that. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Verse number three. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. You know what we see? We see throughout Daniel's entire life that Daniel was standing out. Throughout his life, he stood, he's an 80-something now, and the king is still identifying as somebody who's, who's head and shoulders above the rest. He stood out in his life. And so Daniel is doing this, and he's, he's worked really, really hard. He's gone the extra mile. And the king looks on and says, dude, you are doing a fantastic job. And so I want to put you in charge of my kingdom. The only one you're going to be second to is to me, to the king, King Darius. Sounds like a great day, doesn't it? I mean, promotion sounds like a lot of fun. A lot of you are praying for, striving for, hoping for promotion in your life. Um, it, promotion in your life uh, is, is a great thing, but the reality is when, when what looks like promotion from the outside actually introduces a whole lot of trouble from the inside. The other two administrators these three that were in charge of the 120 leaders, they get jealous and they kind of go all hunger games on Daniel and, 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 and they say, we're gonna take this guy out and we're gonna falsely accuse him. And they kind of begin to paint this picture of, of him being disobedient to the king. So they're like, we're jealous. We wanna take out Daniel. And so it's in that spirit that they go after him. And I want you to watch, Daniel is gonna, he's gonna stand strong during this time of opposition that comes from within. It's not coming from without. It's not, not the enemies of the kingdom. It's his co-laborers. It's the people that he's set up in leadership with that are jealous of him. And so he's gotta stand strong. You might be able to connect with that today. So we're talking about Daniel standing strong and so they go after him. And what I want us to get from Daniel chapter six are three truths, timeless truths, that will help you, that will help me to stand strong when you're dealing with seasons of opposition in your life. Hmm, number one, here we go. When God raises you up, expect people to tear you down. When God raises you up, expect people to tear you down. Let's say you receive a promotion. A lot, of, a lot of times the people that, that think that you would think would be the most excited for you are the people that are the most critical of you, the people that are probably the most, the most jealous of you. Maybe you're getting really excited about your faith in Jesus and, and God has done some great things in your life and you're kind of white hot, but other people around you, including, including some Christians, are kind of making fun of you. Maybe they're even seasoned Christians who are like, well, one day you're gonna, you're gonna settle down and be a miserable Christian like I am. And if you've got somebody in like that in your life, that's, that's opposition you gotta deal with. Or maybe God speaks to you very clearly about something controversial in your life and you decide, I'm gonna downsize. I'm gonna get my family out of debt. Or I'm gonna choose to be a state. This season of COVID has taught me that I need to be more 
engaged in my children's lives. And so we're gonna take the step and downsize and one of us is gonna be a stay-at-home parent. I'm not telling you you need to do that, but maybe God begins to convict you of something that's against the flow, counterculture, kind of controversial, and, and, and it's, it's culturally unpopular. You're doing what God has called you to do, and yet people begin to criticize you. You expected them to celebrate with you this decision, but it's not happening that way. You're raised up because God spoke to you, but people are trying to tear you down. This, uh, let me illustrate it this way. This is known as uh, the, the crab syndrome. I don't know if you've watched much, uh, much uh, Discovery Channel, or um, maybe, maybe you have or haven't, but when they go crabbing, one of the things about, about crab containers, crab, you put crabs in a bucket, and one crab decides, dude, I'm getting out of here. I don't want to stick around in here anymore. I kind of want my freedom. I want to be out in the open ocean. It decides to escape, and uh, I'm not staying in this bucket any longer. What will happen is that when that crab begins to pull himself out of that bucket, the other crabs will just, that's how they do it, the other crabs will reach up and will pull that crab back down again. If I can't be free, you can't be free. That's absolutely true. And I think, I think it's applicable to us a little bit too. It, it seems like in life, when God raises you up, we should expect people to try to tear us down. It's exactly how, how this story played out. Daniel chapter six, verse number four. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. Hmm, they tried to find it. In other words, if we can find some dirt in his closet, if, if what we can do is we can run some political ads on television and, and then we, he's not gonna get elected to office. That's what's gonna happen. That's where they were at right now, trying to find some dirt on him. But then it continues in verse number four, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. In other words, we tried to dig some dirt up on this dude, but we couldn't dig up anything on him. This guy is so faithful to God that we can't find anything to use against him unless it has to do with his relationship with God. And so that's where they go. They devise a plot to attack Daniel. Now, here's kind of the problem that we have sometimes in our modern church age, in the Western Christianity. And just listen for a second. So often people believe, hey, you know, I'm serving God. I'm living for God. Because of that, I don't think I should face any opposition. I mean, I'm trying to do what God wants me to do. So people, especially Christians, should not be coming against me. I should never face a hard time. The reality is that's simply not true. Because we battle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities in this dark world. And whenever we're moving the kingdom of God forward, whenever we're on the agenda of Jesus, whenever we're helping to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, whenever we're busy about the Father's business, we can always expect resistance from the prince of darkness. And oftentimes, the enemy works through people, even well-meaning people. And so let me kind of give you a, a tip for life today. I've said this before, I'll say it again, probably until I die. If you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience to God, you're not ready to be used by God. Let me say it again. If you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience to God, then you're not ready to be used by God. Don't freak out when there's opposition in your life. You, you should worry when there's no opposition in your life. Because when we're doing something for the glory of God, there's always gonna be opposition. So Daniel, man, he is standing out. Daniel is choosing to stand up. 
And now he's standing strong in the midst of opposition. He stood out. How did he stand out? Well, he stood out because he chose to live for God when the culture, that, that, that Babylonian culture was trying to pull him back down. And he, he stood up against the king when the king could have taken his life, King Nebuchadnezzar. Now he's standing strong in the midst of this opposition coming against him. Let me show you how he stands strong. We're, we're gonna get right into that. Mm, mm, here we go. Um, there's opposition, and when opposition comes his way, um, the two administrators are like, we, we, we've got him. We're gonna set him up. How do they do that? Basically, the story, let me summarize it for you. They went and they buttered up the king. I don't know what they said to the king to butter up the king. Maybe like, you know, king, it looks like your robe is getting awfully tight in the chest and the arms. I mean, you're looking kind of buff here today. I don't know how they buttered him up, but somehow they, they buttered him up and, and, um, and the king listened. The king was vulnerable to that. And they said, king, how about, how about you issue a, a law, a, a decree uh, that over the next month, the next 30 days, no one can pray to any God. Well, except you, king, because they should pray to you as their, as their God. And if they do pray to another God, king, other than you, because you're worthy, see how they're buttering them up, other than you, king, because you're worthy of, of them praying to you, anybody in the kingdom prays to any other God, we should throw them into the den of lions to be devoured. Now, the king was much like many other kings. Even though he was a pretty good guy, he was very vulnerable to the sin of pride. And so he, he bought into it, tried to bite it maybe, but he tried to deify himself and so he bought into it. And even though uh, he knew that he wasn't a God, he wanted to be treated as a, as a God. And so Darius said, fair enough, fair enough, sounds good. Anybody praise any other God but me for the next month, for the next 30 days, they're gonna be the lion's lunch. And so that's, that's gonna be the rule, that's gonna be the law. This created a conflict for Daniel. And here's the crux. The conflict for Daniel, the opposition for Daniel, was because the other administrators, the other two guys that are the, the ones that are trying to trip him up, they knew that Daniel was a great man of prayer. Prayer to the capital G God, the one true God. And for Daniel, you have to understand that, that um, he had no idea that God was gonna rescue him take the consequence and rescue him from, he had no idea this was gonna happen. He simply had to make a decision. And I think he had about three different options. The first option would be for Daniel to just, well, to stop praying. I mean, come on, I, I prayed for 80 years. Surely God will forgive me if I just took a month off from praying. Now, he's probably gonna not hold that against me. God, I'm pretty sure you're gonna be cool with this. You're gonna understand. In fact, I'm gonna be much more effective if I'm alive <laughs> than I am if I'm dead. You see how that's kind of justifying sinful behavior? So he could have said, you know, I'll do this for a month and then God, we're gonna reunite and get back. You'll understand. That's not what Daniel did. He, he second thing he could have done is he could have faked it. He could have just not prayed publicly. He could have just kind of bowed his head as if it looked like he was napping, you know, and kind of said a prayer under his breath. He didn't do that. The third option that Daniel had was he could have continued to pray publicly, praying out loud, and risk death. I mean, a horrible, grisly death. And what, what, what he was willing to do was exactly that because his faith in God was so strong. So here's my question, as we, as we kind of summarize that up before I give you the, the lesson here. What in the world 
build that kind of audacious faith in, in Daniel? What, 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 how did he have such deep faith in God that he was willing to stand strong and face possible death? I, I, I mean, these questions lead me to the second thought that I think is gonna encourage you. Number two, kneeling to pray is what gives you strength to stand. Kneeling to pray is what gives you strength to stand. I know some of you are going through it today. Kneeling to pray will give you strength to stand. Look at verse, verse number 10. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Three times a day he did what? He got down on his knees and he prayed, just as he had done before. Our first response to opposition should not be panic. Our first response to opposition, to trials, should be to pray, should be to pray. Let me just step into the role of, of father for a minute, spiritual father. Even though I might be younger than some of you, let me just step into that role for just a second. Can you receive some fatherly advice, please? Quit saying, all I can do is pray. Yeah, I, I've tried everything else, all, all I can do is pray. Quit saying, all I can do is pray, like it's some sort of a crapshoot in your life. Because that's not true. What you need to say when troubles come is, I can pray. I can pray. I can pray. I can come before the throne room of God. I've got access to the creator and the sustainer of the universe. I have an audience with almighty God who cares about me in an intimate way and every need that I have in my life. I can pray. I can petition the God of the universe. He hears the cries of my heart when I humble myself before him. I can talk to God. He hears me. He delights to move on my behalf because he loves me so much. I can pray. Never say, well, all I can do is pray. It's not a crapshoot. It's a faith journey. And notice also how Daniel prayed. I love this. The Bible says that he knelt before God in prayer. How did he have the strength to stand? He could stand before men because he knelt before God. Listen, if you have never knelt before God in prayer and in worship, you're missing one of the most powerful postures of humility and surrender. You see, to God, your posture really does matter. It's, it's an outward indication of an inward faith that you have. It's really hard for me to worship God when I'm standing like this. But you know what's really easier for me to worship God when I lift my hands to the Lord. I don't know if you've worshiped with me very much. I'm not doing anything for you. I'd love to be a good example for you. But I'm worshiping for an audience of one. And it is so common for me to just get down on my knees and worship the King of glory. 
because I sometimes I can't just bring myself down on my knees. There are times I just have to get down on my face before God and worship my king and worship my creator and worship Jesus Christ, the one who gave his life for me. I have to bring myself low because I know that he is above it all. Posture matters. It's an outward indication of an inward faith that we have in our lives. And when you kneel down, there is this sense of humility. There's this sense of, of, of reverence, like the dependence upon God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed to worship my God. There's times when kneeling for me is, is just not enough, and so I get down on my face, and there's times when words are just not enough, so I speak in my heavenly language tongues that the Lord gives to us to communicate from my heart to God's heart. I want to get so low because I want God to be elevated so high in my life. Daniel had predetermined in his heart that this is who he was. He would pray three times a day publicly and out loud and on his knees. Now I realize that can be kind of ritualistic, but that's what Daniel determined was who he was. That's what he was going to do. So it didn't matter how he felt. It didn't matter how, how busy of a day he had. Daniel determined in his heart that he was going to seek God in prayer. Listen, when life gives you more than you can stand, you kneel before God in prayer and worship and he will give you the strength to stand again. Now, I wish I could tell you as a father, I wish I could tell you that when you pray, it's always gonna work out just the way you want it to. But that's simply not true. Daniel would have asked, I believe, well, what if the lions eat me and, and God doesn't rescue me? It's a fair question. It's a fair question. I think it's, I think it's we gotta look it through that lens a little bit because there are plenty of other people in the Bible that had the same amount of faith as Daniel. But for whatever reason, God chose not to rescue them. See, we're, we're not talking about a Disney movie here. We're not talking about a Pixar animation movie. We're not talking about flannel graph. This is real life with a sovereign God whose ways are higher than our ways. His understanding is higher than our understanding. He'll often do things that make no sense to us whatsoever. So I cannot promise you, if you take a stand, that you're not gonna face some consequences because you just might. I, I cannot promise you that, that something's not gonna come against you when you take a stand or, or that people aren't gonna resist you when you, when you, when you take a stand. That, 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 you're not gonna, that you're not gonna be left out, that you're not gonna be overlooked, that you're not gonna end up hurt or maybe feeling worse off than you did before. The only promise I can make you is number three. Are you ready? Number three, write it down, please. When you do what's right, when you do what's right, you can always trust God with the results. When you do what's right, you can always trust God with the results. Daniel, I want to remind you, he did not know the end of the story when he was in the middle of the story. It's really easy to know what you do when you know what the end of the story is going to be, but Daniel had no idea. He didn't have a Sunday school lesson about himself in the lion's den. That didn't happen for centuries to come. He had no idea that it would end the way that he wanted it to end. All he knew was for 80 years, he had been faithful to God. So no matter what, Dan the man, Daniel right here, would be faithful to his God. That's it, period, no negotiation, no ifs, no ands, no buts. 
no, but what ifs? No, but how come? No, but this doesn't seem fair to me, God. God had been faithful to Daniel. And therefore, Daniel said, I will be faithful to him. If he saves me, I trust him. If he doesn't save me, I will still trust my great and mighty God. That is the news, the example, the pillar that Daniel set before us. So, so Daniel gets thrown into the lion's den. King Darius is absolutely devastated about this. Why? Because he really liked Daniel. Everybody looked to Daniel with, with favor, except for those two guys that were jealous of him. The king is really angry now, as the story goes, because he's been, he's been duped, he's been tricked. Two of his top three right-hand men deceived him, so now he feels betrayed. He tries to get out of it, but he can't get out of it. He, he's given his word, he signed the seal. He has to do what he said he was gonna do, so he doesn't eat, he doesn't take any entertainment. He's devastated. The Bible says he goes to his palace and he just fasts and he prays for Daniel, who was put in the lion's den. Now, we don't know what happened down in the lion's den. There's nothing recorded in the Bible about really what happened. What we know is what doesn't happen in the lion's den. We don't know if Daniel was down there and he was, you know, just worshiping God and the, the lion stayed at the perimeter of the, the outer perimeter of the room. We don't know if Daniel was afraid, but God was protecting him. You know, he was a human being. If I was Daniel, I probably would have wet, my, wet myself. That's probably what I would have done. We don't know what Daniel was doing. All we know is that by the power of Almighty God, God shut the mouths of the lions. And, and I truly believe with everything inside of me, that this is a literal story of the goodness and the power of God made manifest in Daniel's life. I, I believe that. And so this morning, in the morning, Daniel is in the lion's den. King Darius has no idea if he's, he's alive or not. Darius runs and he goes to the, to the entry point above of the, the, the den. Daniel, 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 are you there? Are you okay? Has your God, and I love the phrase that you can read in the Bible, has your God, Darius says, whom you continually serve, has your God whom you continually serve, I've watched you, I, I know you, and I, you've always served him, has your God whom you've continually served rescued you from the pit of the lions? Now I want you to look at verse 22 and 23 as we wrap this up today. My God sent his angel, this is what Daniel says, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted out of the den, no wound, get this, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. When you do what is right, you can trust God with the results. There's other two guys. There's two other guys there in the story. These other two satraps, these other two leaders. And the king's like, too bad, fellas. You're going in the lion's den. So he casts them into the lion's den. The king now issues a decree to everyone in the kingdom that they should fear the God of Daniel. Respect, revere the God of Daniel. What a miracle. The king is issuing a decree now not to worship himself, but to worship the God of Daniel, the one true God, Yahweh God. So if you're facing some opposition today, and I know many people are, remember, when God raises you up, there will be people in your life that will try to tear you down. Why am I saying this to you? I'm saying this to you because you gotta deal with it. Accept the fact. Quit griping about it. 
quit complaining. It is what it is. That's the reality of scripture. In this world, Jesus says, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. God doesn't calm every storm, but he certainly walks through the storms with you. I'm telling you, when you are raised up by God, God gives you a vision, God gives you a dream, God gives you direction, God gives you understanding, God tells you what to do. Um, When that happens in your life and you're following faithfully obedient to God, people will try to tear you down. Well-meaning people will try to tear you down. So remember, number two, kneeling to pray gives the strength, gives you the strength to stand. That's the whole goal. We want you to, we want you to stand strong. And the counsel that God's word has given to us, it's not a religious activity of kneeling to pray because that position somehow is going to give you favor with God. That's not it. It's not doing something to get from God. It's, a, it's an act of humility. It's an act of reverence. It's an act of not my will, but your will be done as Jesus was kneeling in the garden. It's the same posture. It's a spiritual posture. And you're going to be able to stand strong when you bring yourself low before our great and mighty God. Stand strong. Kneeling to pray gives you the strength to stand. So Daniel did something that we encourage you to do in the first week of this series. He predetermined how he was going to grow in his intimacy with God. He was going to pray three times a day. He was going to kneel before God. He was going to pray out loud. That was his system. That's what his predetermined. Chances are pretty good when you predetermine something like that, you're going to grow closer to God. Now, I really hope right now some of you are under massive conviction in your life that you need to set, a time, uh, set aside time in your life daily to pray, to talk to God, to sit in God's presence. I'm encouraging you to make that one of... No, I take it back. I don't want you to make that one of your top priorities in life. I want you to make that your top priority in life. Your relationship with God should trump everything else. It trumps your dreams, your desires, your past, your present, your future. It trumps your marriage. It trumps the relationship with your children. It trumps your job. It trumps your home and your boat and your car. It trumps your, your, your desire for vacation. It trumps your desire for retirement. Your relationship with God comes before everything else. And how can you have a relationship with God when you don't talk to him? when you're not in relationship with him, please be disciplined to pray every day. Because number three, when you do what's right, you can always trust God. You can always trust God with the results. Do what's right, trust God with the results. Let me pray for you today. God, I pray for those that are in the middle of opposition. Give us strength to not fear. God, give us strength to not worry, but to trust you. God, when we're in the battle, we no longer want prayer to be our last resort, but we desire to make prayer our first response. Yes, God. We need your help with this, God. Remind us that when we do what's right, God, we know we can absolutely trust you because you're that good. Holy Spirit, speak to your church today to strengthen us to follow you and to serve you in every single way. Now, as at your home, in in your car, in your bedroom, your backyard, your living room, wherever you're at right now, just continue praying. Now, some, listen, I need to talk to you as you're praying in your heart about taking a stand for the things of God. 
Some of you might recognize that you've never really taken a stand for the things of God before. You're not serving Him. You don't know Him. You're not following Him. In fact, you might just be facing some kind of trial right now. And sometimes God's going to let you face a trial in your life that, so you've got nowhere else to go. So you, you, just, you have to look up. You've bottomed out. You have to look up to see him. Some of you might recognize you've done some really crazy bad things in your life. And you, you feel unworthy to come before God. Welcome to the club. I don't feel worthy to come before God either. I don't think we should feel worthy because we've all done it. We've all sinned before a holy God. We all feel unworthy. You might feel like you've done so much. How could God ever love you? The good news is he absolutely does love you. He loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. God loves you. Why? Because God is love. He showed you that he is love when he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to give his life as a ransom for you and me when he died upon the cross some 2,000 years ago. But he didn't just die. He was buried in a borrowed tomb, and he rose victoriously from the dead three days later victorious over death, hell, and the grave. So that anyone, this includes you, this includes me, anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus Christ would be saved. You might be in the last chapter of your life. You might be in the midway through. You might be at the beginning chapter of your life. Wherever you're at today, you can call upon the name of the Lord, call upon Jesus Christ, confess your sins to him, and you'll be saved. What does that mean? You'll be given a brand new life, transformed. So I know, as I was writing this, I know that there's someone watching today that, that you need to hear this. You recognize you have a need for God. God brought you to YouTube or to Facebook right now for such a time as this because you recognize you have a need for God. And God orchestrated your steps in such a way that you would be listening to this right now. It's not happenstance. It's not accident. It's for this specific moment. Why? Because it is time for you to say yes to God. If you would say yes to God, what I want you to do right now is in the comment section on YouTube or the comment section on Facebook, I want you to put this, this comment right now. You ready? Yes, God. Yes, God. You are saying yes to God. What you're saying is, I receive your forgiveness. See, you can't buy it for all the money in the world. You couldn't do enough good works to earn favor with God. It's freely given to you. You're like, how can that be? In this world, there seems to be an exchange for everything. There is an exchange. The price was paid, but you can't pay it. God paid it for you by giving his son. All you have to do is say yes to Jesus Christ. Now, right there where you're at, I want you to pray this prayer. Pray it out loud like Daniel did. In fact, I double dog dare you to get down on your knees before God right now in your living room, in your kitchen, in your bedroom. Don't delay. I don't care who's with you. I don't care how embarrassed you might feel. God is giving you eternal life. He is giving you hope and glory. God is empowering you. He is strengthening you. He is with you. He is right there with you right now. Kneel before God and pray this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, come on, say it out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and change my life. I give you my all, God. I surrender my life. 
Come into my heart. Transform me. Change me. Forgive me. And I will live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Man, I am so proud of you. You said yes to Jesus Christ. It's the best decision you've ever made. Now we're going to live for Jesus Christ. We're going to live for him all the days of our lives. You need God, not just today, but tomorrow morning and tomorrow afternoon and tomorrow evening and tomorrow night and the next day and the next day and the next day. So determine now how you're going to live your life. Put God first in every arena of your existence. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. May he give you rest. And may he give you peace. You know what? That song is so powerful to me, the blessing, that we're going to close this gathering today by letting that just permeate the atmosphere of your home or your car, your bedroom or your kitchen, your backyard or your living room. We're going to ask God to bless you abundantly. So worship with us as we close this gathering with the blessing.
Sorry. 